Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Greg Jones Optimization Academy, where I interview some of my favorite innovators in medicine, fitness, and beyond. These are just great doctors, pharmacists, influencers in the in the biohacking space, just awesome people that we love having on the show. And that being said, I want to say that part over. Sorry, once we flow, man, it'll be going better here. So yeah, it's all, all right. good. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Greg Jones Optimization Academy, where I interview some of my favorite innovators in health, fitness, medicine, and beyond. And I'm very happy today to have Dr. Frank Keku. I'm going to say that again because I'm respect the French. Dr. Frank Keku. <laughs> he is the owner of Progress Pharmacy and the co-founder of New BioAge located in West Palm Beach, Florida. So Dr. Keku, we're going to call him Frank for the rest of the show is responsible for the formulation of new compounds and supplements and also develops new treatments for protocols, I'm sorry, new treatment protocols for clinicians and medical providers. He's passionate about cellular medicine and he, you know, and that passion for cellular medicine is helping develop new and innovative pharmaceutical compounds used by numerous practitioners around the world, around integrative medicine and beyond. We're excited to have Dr. Frank on the show. Welcome, Frank. How are you today? Thanks for having me, man. Uh, happy Veterans Day today to you. Um, I'm, I'm excited you. to be here, brother. Um, there's, there's a lot to talk about here, but it's a pretty awesome, awesome subject to talk about. There's a lot to unpack on this one. So it's exciting. Yeah, it is. Excited it is. to be here. Thank you so much. And so before we get into that, you know, when I was looking at your bio, I see that you were a tennis player in France. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get from being the next Yannick Noah to being yeah. a compound pharmacist, man. I want to hear about that. I'm sure our listeners do too. First of all, respect you for remembering Yannick Noah. It's just like an idol to me. But, yeah. um, you know, born and raised in France, actually, uh, playing tennis there. Um, got an opportunity to come to the U.S. Um, to, to, you know, to actually keep playing. Because in Europe, it's funny because you can't, it's really hard to go to school and play at the same time. Right. So you have to kind of pick one in Europe here. You have the ability to just like do both. Right. Um, so get a scholarship, came in the U.S., uh, play, you know, play, play tennis for, for four years, went to Mercer University in Georgia, uh, play there. And after that, I was like, you know what? My mom is a pharmacist back sure. home. And she's like, well, it's probably time for you to come back and start working in a pharmacy with me. I was like, all right, well, let me go to pharmacy school. Uh, just got into pharmacy school. Next thing you know, got married, uh, got stuck here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, just decided to work as a pharmacist. Um, funny enough is, you know, what took me to, uh, to, to where I'm at right now was, was a, a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of events, really. Um, started as a retail pharmacist, CVS. Worked there for about six, seven years. Um, and a friend of mine can introduce me to this compounding world, right? Where you customize products, you make things from scratch. You start thinking about, you start thinking outside of the box, really. So I get into that vibe and just kind of follow that through. Um, you know, next thing you know, talking about cellular medicine, talking about biochemistry, trying to figure out how to innovate. And uh, here we are, you know, long journey, but pretty rewarding journey. That's so cool, man. And a fun fact about Dr. Jones over here is that initially is what I wanted to do. And one of the reasons I came to Arizona is because I plan on going to one of the pharmacy schools out here that has a three-year program. But I actually was like, okay, before I go down this path, I want to start shadowing pharmacists. So I had a couple people, yeah. knew some people, and I actually got to shadow some commercial, the commercial pharmacists that were at the CVS. 
Yep. Walgreens. Nah, bro. Like, ah. I, <laughs> I don't blame you. No, man. That's I, tough. I, I was back there and I was like, yeah, this is no, uh, this is no bueno. And I have much respect for those guys and, and you know, yeah. for the work you did too, because there's a lot of work and it's very essential, but it was just not what I was looking for. For sure. But at yeah. the time, I didn't know compound pharmacists were a thing. And if I had have known, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a chance, you know, you know, I could be sitting on the side of the table with you right now, but you know, we, we have our roles to play, man. I'm blessed that's to be right. today and blessed to be here having this conversation with you. So Absolutely. that being said, man, you know, we're going to talk about ED today. And we joked about it before we started the camera. I was like, yeah, just two guys having a conversation about erectile dysfunction on camera. Yeah. No big deal here. <laughs> totally normal everyday yeah. conversation kind of thing but yeah. you know and where I wanted to start this was and we, we discussed it a little bit before we got on the line is that a lot of times when we talk about erectile dysfunction you know when I say we as practitioners as patients we we look at it like it's the like it's the disease like it's the condition but it's not you know it's a symptom right and it's not you know it's not like okay you got ED let's just go after that. But sometimes if you go after that and just say, Hey, here's a medication, then you never really fix the problem. You never right. go after it. Right. And so yeah. now you're kind of stuck in this wheel and it's perpetual, it's perpetual, perpetual yeah. sorry, stuck in this wheel and it's perpetual, right? Cause you can't get off of it because we never get to the root cause. So yeah. that being said, when your practitioners, your colleagues, when they discuss erectile dysfunction, how would you define that? It's same same way for us is is a lot of education about around um, exactly what leads to you know to ED right because um, like you said it's it's always the symptoms there's a cascade of events that needs to happen to get you to that level right so we try to go to the root cause the first the, the root cause of the problem really first trying to identify what is causing it. Because that will give us more visibility on what treatment to utilize or what tools do we have that, that can kind of guide us toward helping the patient. But we got to figure out exactly, like you said, what is the reason why they're getting into this situation? Why do we have the ED? You know, why is ED a problem now? And we're just trying to track it back as fast as, as far as possible um, upstream, right? To see, yeah, is it, is it obesity? Is it diabetes? Is it depression? We'll talk about it in a minute. But that, that's the approach, you know, it's, 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 it's a step-by-step -step approach, figure out what the root cause is. And then from there, we just kind of figure out which way to go. There's a lot of tools, a lot of tools out there. So absolutely. Yep. Now, would you say there's a difference? In, and this is me as a practitioner on this side is that I kind of look at the difference between the true erectile dysfunction where it's just not working mm -hmm. versus a suboptimal erectile function so as in you know you can you know patients who can get an erection they just can't maintain it yeah. versus the other side of the house where it's just not able to be affected at all it's just not happening at all so they're not really getting the even start of it right and so with that being said in those two kind of scenarios does that kind of change how we define ed or even look at it absolutely absolutely um you know, and that, that's what that's what we, we have to figure out exactly what is the cause, because you're right. A lot of the time it's it's unfortunate, but, it, it, you know, they, they have ED and it becomes worse. Right. And they, they wait to the last minute because it's a very uncomfortable conversation to have with, you know, with, with your practitioner. So people will wait. If they can function, they're OK, you know, for two or three minutes. 
they're okay with it, right? For them, it's 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 okay. But when they can't even have any more erection, that's that's usually when they they really start to seek help. Um, so people, unfortunately, who are usually older, you know, past sixty, will be the best candidate. Usually, they'll come to us right away and describe the problem because it's already downstream. It's already a big problem. They can't even function anymore. But a lot of guys our age, uh, younger than us, uh, in their forties or whatever, are, are probably experiencing the same issue right now but they can't explain it. For them, it's like a new normal, right? But it is ED. So in a sense, yes, there, there, there's two different variants here. There's, there's the, I don't, it doesn't work anymore, but there's also the, it works, but it doesn't work as good as it used to be, right? So that, that's, that's the problem, but it's important to recognize it. People need to understand it. You know, there's, there's a normal and there's not normal, you know? Um, and most people will know what normal is. Uh, based on you know past experiences um so and i think that's a key point i think there is that challenge of being open and transparent enough with the practitioner or the doc to, yep. to say hey yep. this is an issue here and a lot of times that issue doesn't come up until it starts to affect the relationship or the marriage exactly exactly like, okay, this is something that needs to be discussed right because this is right. now now it hits home a little bit yep and so you know and i think it's an open conversation to have because again this goes back to our original point is usually a symptom of something bigger in a lot of cases, right? So, and we'll get into that because if you ignore that, it may be something more insidious that's upstream that we need to deal with. So that being said, you know, and the room, so this is the, the fun part of this because we, there's so many causes for it. We can talk about it at nauseum, but in your, you know, from your perspective on that compound pharmacy side of the house, what do you see as some of the primary causes for erectile dysfunction? From a pharmacist standpoint, based on feedback that we're getting from a patient, right, direct to patient after using medication, I can tell you 40% of most ED out there are caused by, you know, we call it psychogenetic. So basically it's psychology, right? Um, they're just not there anymore uh, as far as lack of interest, um, you know, as being the main driver, right? Um, so what I mean by, by, you know, psychology here is, usually is driven by stress, right? Is driven by anxiety, is driven by, um, you know, just, just depression, you know, um, or lack of interest in the partner. I mean, it's, it's very important to talk about as well because ED is also related to your lack of interest for your partner. That's, that's, that's part of the of, of a problem that people don't really talk about, but you, you gotta ask the question as a clinician, are you still interested in your partner? Um, but that's about 40%. You know, and I think there's a study out there also showing this about 40% of, of most ED out there are caused by that, but psychology, simpler, you know, simple psychology. Um, and then you do, you know, you have the other issues, right? You have, you have, you know, the medical, um, underlying medical conditions um, that are part of it as well. If you, you, you know, if you don't mind me kind of talking about it as well right now. Um, well, you know, one thing before we slide into that, one yep, thing I wanted to mention yeah. when you talked about depression. Yeah. And yeah, this is kind of that whole perpetuating thing, right? Because what do most patients get when they're diagnosed with depression? An SSRI. Right. What's, what's yeah. the side effect of SSRI? ED. Erectile dysfunction. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's kind of like, you know, yeah. you're 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 addressing one situation and causing another one, right? That exactly. potentially may be the cause of the ED in the first place. And so they never get to break that cycle. And another thing yeah. that, you know, I don't want to overlook, especially with it being Veterans Day. That is, a, you know, one of the root causes we think about is PTSD. 
is another one as well. So I think mm-hmm. kind of pulling the layers back on your patients and saying, hey, you know, when did this start and what happened? You know, and sometimes you can kind of have that traumatic event that kind of keyed everything up. So I definitely don't want to um, want to make sure we get, you know, shine a good uh, spotlight on that as well. So absolutely, absolutely. One of the most under underdiagnosed um, medical condition in the United States is, is, is anxiety. I think, you know, there, there, there's more people with anxiety out there that have no idea to actually suffer from anxiety that we know. It's, it's crazy. And anxiety is definitely a cause of ED. You know, uh, talking about, you know, a CEO, talking about somebody that's in a really stressful job, um, they probably don't understand it. The reason why they have an issue in bed, but that's usually one of the main reasons why it happens because of the cascade of events um, that are happening. You know, releasing of certain type of hormones like cortisol, increasing your stress hormones will lead to a cascade of events that will, that will unfortunately uh, cause ED. So stress, when we talk about stress, it's a cascade of events that stress is a, actually does to your body to get you to that level. So something to think about. Sure, sure. So I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was like, oh man, I don't want to miss out on the depression. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think we were kind of going right into the next um, thing to look at when it comes to root causes of ED. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, all those underlying conditions that people don't really think about um, are really, really causing ED. So if you think about, it's going to make it simple for everybody to understand obesity, right? Obesity will cause ED and you you know, a lot of people out there don't understand why and how it happened, um, but I can tell you pretty easily how it happens. Um, so, you know, when you're when you're obese or you're you're overweight, you know, the the, the amount of pressure you're putting on the arterial walls um, of your blood vessels is so high that you don't you're not moving any blood flow like anybody else, right? So, when you have a prime moving blood flow, well, it's blood flow going everywhere, including in your penis. So that's the problem. So just think about it this way. So the more fat you have, the more pressure you're putting on your blood, on your, on your, on your blood vessels, same, like, same as hypertension, right? So if you have hypertension, it's the same issue. You're putting pressure or you're putting a lot of, of tension on, your, on, on the walls of your blood vessels, which also will turn into less blood flow, uh, per se. Um, so diabetes is one. Obesity is another one, you know, um, you know, now there's even talking about people with asthma as well. I, I got to look it up, but people with asthma are also um, talking about having some issue with the ED, uh, you know, so that's another root cause. So underlining condition, just plain old underlining condition is one, um, you know, another thing that we also seen quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of, of course, as pharmacists is drug related. So medication related, you talked about in, you know, uh, earlier, the SSRIs, which is the number one drug, Lexapro for a long time was the number one drug prescribed in the United States after Ambien, by the way. Um, and the, you know, if you think about how I many people try Lexapro as a cure, you know, cure it all type of pill, you'll 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 know that once you start Lexapro, it's really hard to get up Lexapro. But they don't talk about the issue that you have with Lexapro down you know down the line. So that's one thing. So antidepressants will cause ED. Not all of them, but the SSRIs will do. Um, there's a, there's a drug called Selexa, citalopram, which is the worst of all. I mean, people on Selexa, for example, will have, you know, a sperm count of zero after taking it three or four months, but people do not discuss this with them. Um, you know, so I'm not trying to scare everybody out there and we'll talk about it down later on, but if you're on SSRI, 
you know, there's a lot of options for you, um, but you have to realize, you have to understand that it is a potential problem with ED. Um, another class of drugs are um, hypertensive. You know, if you look at uh, not all of them, so if you have high blood pressure, you're okay, but there's two of them, uh, two classes of drugs that you have to kind of look into is um, any type of, of water or diuretics. So hydrochlorothiazide is one of them. Um, the MOA or mechanism of action is not well understood of why you'll cause that. Um, if you look at another one for the main one, based on my experience are the beta blockers. Um, tenolol, metoprolol, which is usually first line therapy for people with high blood pressure or some type of heart disease um, are well known and documented for causing ED. Um, so again, I'm not trying to scare everybody out there, but if you're on any type of beta blocker, including anything that you know, ends with OL, which is metoprolol or tenolol and such, um, just keep that in mind. It, it is, you know, it's possible that it might cause ED. Um, so those are, you know, those are different type of drugs to think about because they, they, they do cause ED. Um, another one that people don't even think about as well as are the PPIs, proton pump inhibitors. How many people take omeprazole out there? <laughs> you know, uh, but again, the jury's still out on those, but it, it, there's a lot of documentation, again, showing um, PPIs acting in the blood vessels, right? It's, it, it always comes down to what happened with the blood vessel. Uh, in, the, in the case of PPI, I believe it's something to do with nitric oxide that we'll talk about again towards the end, um, being shut down, um, you, know, as, you know, as a source of blood vessel, because the blood vessel will need nitric oxide and the PPIs will, will kind of shut that down, which will, which will cause less blood flow. Um, yeah. And, and that list is long, man. And, and yeah, uh, this is long. We can't keep going. going. I don't want to scare everybody. Here. No, no and, and I don't think it's a matter of scaring. I think it's a matter of like information. Absolutely. You know, because if you're, you know, if you're, you're taking this medication, you're like, wow, I, yeah. okay, my mood may be better possibly. And maybe my, you know, my reflux yeah. is a little better, but I'm having issues now. Sexually. Having issues. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I put yeah. the two together, you know. Absolutely. And I forgot, I forgot one of them too, that's. That that's you know you know this the androgen blockers because a lot of people take them finasteride right so if you if you're losing your hair you're a dude out there you go online and you try to get to this, one of those websites and try to get you know something for your hair because you're losing your hair you're gonna use low dose finasteride right yeah. one milligram finasteride there's you know the androgen blockers but again that's that's a documented um, um, you know side effect is ED. You know, so finasteride is one, you know, delesteride is another one, uh, spirolactone. Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. so something to think about as well. So, yeah, that's a great big one. Yep. The yep. spirolactone is a big one. And uh, because that's one of the medications that some docs will give their female patients for acne. Yes. Okay. Well, here's the oral yes. spironolactone. And it's like, well, yeah. there goes that well, there goes, you know, and it's slightly off, off topic, it is, but there goes their yeah. libido because now their testosterone is popping out. You know, and so it's just, you know, again, and I'm not, if you're trying to fix the problem presented to you, this is the fire that's out, but also being aware of the fire that you may cause to do it. And even exactly. circling back, and this is going to translate to part two, where we talk about treatments as well, as you mentioned, you know, when it comes to cardiovascular health, one of the things that I did some research on was the high cholesterol cause of ED. Yes. yes. Goes with obesity a little bit too, because again, especially LDL. So a high LDL, because of the, the uh, that secondary effect of that is reduced circulation of vascular circulation that can affect yeah. the heat. But here it goes back again. So what do we give these patients? Statins. Yes. What does statins do? 
cause ed you know yeah. so it, it's it's, yeah. it's root cause you know and it's just like yeah. sometimes we need to take a step back and understand that hey if you're really trying to make this change then it needs to be a wholesale change right and maybe exactly. it's going to be diet it's going to be nutrition or identifying even sometimes and again we'll talk about this there are some people they can eat 100 clean work out five six times a day scaling budget yeah. Look at the same budget. And that's where that cellular medicine comes in. Like, hey, we need to look a little bit deeper into this person's individual biochemistry to figure that out. So that's a good one as well. And then I don't know if you've seen this one, but I, I looked at some studies that actually showed that uh, smetadine can actually lead to some uh, ED cases as well. Not, I don't know if as much as with the uh, PPIs, but I did take a look at that. Not sure if you've seen that anywhere. I, I've seen I've seen that too. Um, I, I wasn't able to really see the documentation and, 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 and you know, it was a, it was an interesting stretch the way they were talking about it. But yeah. Yeah. The, 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 there's absolutely is a possibility, but yeah, there's, there's some documentation about that as well, which is a very well, you know, yeah, it's prescribed drug. A lot of people know about it, you know, so people taking it all the time without even thinking about it. Um, but yeah, here's another one again, you know? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, induced ED is huge. It's huge, you know. Um, so it's important to, you know, for the guys out there to talk to their prescribers, um, you know, and a lot of them will not listen to them, but they're the docs like uh, actually understand this thing, you know, and, and that, that's that's different, you know. So, yes, sir. And then kind of trying, you know, as we go from the uh, psychogenic to the vascular, I think another and then also the uh, pharmaceutical cause of it is the hormonal yep. uh, cause of it as well. So obviously <clears throat> there's going to be low testosterone, but something you mentioned earlier was cortisol mm -hmm. and not, you know, ignoring the effects of cortisol on ED. And then there's a few studies out there that are taking a look at on, on thyroid as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hypothyroidism, even hyperthyroidism potentially being causes of it as well. Absolutely. Thyroid is so important. It, it is, it is hundred percent, it's hundred percent linked to ED. Because if you look at thyroid, you look at, you know, if you look back to your Krebs cycle, right? You know, if you go back to your Krebs cycle and you look at the role of TSH and T3 and T4 and, and thyroid in general, and that is affecting everything downstream of that Krebs cycle, you know that it will affect ED. Um, if there's any type of imbalance in that cycle, uh, downstream, a lot of those hormones will be affected and that will cause ED. Uh, <clears throat> so thyroid is huge. Uh, you talk about that. Cortisol, obviously, is part of that cycle. Um, you talk about testosterone. I don't know if we talked about it already, but that's yeah. that's unfortunately, but it's it is a big it is a big deal. It is a big big deal uh, for guys out there. Uh, so something to think about as well, you know. So yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. But that you know what? Another thing. I mean, to go up. Another thing I, I've been thinking right. about too. So another thing I've been thinking about too, because I think it's about to come out you know, very soon. But um, non-alcoholic liver disease is one of the biggest issue in the United States right now. And people are now starting to talk about it, but I can tell you right now, it's affecting more and more people. And that's a direct relationship to what we put in our body, food, right? So um, that's also a link to ED. Liver disease is a link to ED. Um, and that's something to think about, you know? So when you have those lab reports, there's a lot to unpack from them. You know, so if you have kidney disease, you have liver disease or early on liver disease, you have diabetes, they're all cause of EDs. Yeah. Uh, so something to think about. Yeah. I knew cirrhosis was on that list for sure. Yeah. Um, I haven't really seen anything on the, um, the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease as well. So that's kind of a good thing for me to do some homework on as well. Absolutely, I mean, this yeah. list, 
And I mean, it's like an iceberg, man, because we're talking on some of these things here, but we can get even further down the list, man, because we think about sleep apnea. You know, we mentioned blood pressure a little bit. You know, there's neurological issues, post-surgical issues, like for the TERP procedure, which is a prostate resection procedure, which I have yep. patients, I'm like, uh, I understand BPH is something you're dealing with, but also hope you're aware this is a potential outcome of this procedure as well you know so you know that's what? A, a lot of docs fail to mention that to the patient and i feel really bad when i have patients coming and pick up their meds all the time a lot of the docs fail to mention that to a patient you know when it comes to that they don't they just don't want to tell them that bad news right away you know and then they're stuck with the news afterward because like something is wrong doc it doesn't work the same you, you tell me what is you know it wasn't going to affect it but no 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 it's not working anymore what happened yeah. you know but yeah absolutely absolutely man yeah. Yeah. Big problem. And, and I think this is the cool part of this conversation is because, you know, our jobs as docs, as our compound pharmacists is to pull that layer back, dig a little deeper and figure out what the root cause is. Because again, and I understand like we're going to talk more about this in part two is because one of my philosophies is, hey, I'm not going to walk out of here if you're coming in with the symptom of erectile dysfunction and say, hey, I need to, you know, I'm going to run the test. We're going to make sure we know what it is. But we want to make sure that while we're addressing the root cause, we're actually helping you out. You know, because again, yep. the root cause thing can can take some time sometimes, you know, and, and it's like, okay, that's great, you know, but also being realistic with our patients and our expectations saying, hey, you know what, we're going to look at strategies to address what's going on with you while we're also finding and addressing the root cause, you know, so and I think that's a big part of it is because it can be a little, what we're saying here is it can be a little bit intimidating, right? It's like, okay, I'm dealing with this and you guys just listed all of these things how am I going to find out which one it is, you mm -hmm. know, but also not ignoring what you're coming in for. So I think that's another big piece of it as well. And then the kind of last part of this, that while we're kind of, pull, you know, pulling out, like we're throwing the darts here and every dart we're throwing is kind of hitting the board yeah. as it comes to this is also um, drugs and alcohol. Yes. Recreational drugs. Absolutely. A lot of people, um, unfortunately you think that it's actually an answer, but it's not, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, um, it's definitely not an answer. Uh, you know, you, you know, you not on the ED part, on the mechanical part. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, nothing with this will actually enhance um, your ability to have an erection at all. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, long-term abuse or long-term use of it will lead to ED uh, because, you, you know, the, whoever is using or utilizing recreational drugs will basically stop the stimuli, the stimuli to the brain long-term wise um and that will affect their ability to get interested in sex again um so something to think about alcohol use absolutely yes um you know and that's something to think about too because people might think yeah i have a few drinks i'm feeling it but don't forget the mechanical piece we talk about the mechanical piece because ed is just an, a lack of, you're, you're you, you cannot have an erection that's what ed is right not your interest in sex but the fact that you cannot have an erection is the problem. Um, and alcohol will cause ED. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, as far as the drugs, marijuana, cocaine are well documented for it, you know, so which is one of the main drugs that people abuse, unfortunately. But yes. Another thing is you were mentioning that mechanical piece of it. I thought about we mentioned how androgen deficiency mm -hmm. can lead to ED, but also let's not forget about androgen excess. So these are your long-term steroid abusers, right? So anabolic steroid users, right? So how that can eventually affect the hyper, not, I'm sorry, good Lord. 
like yeah. pause. Especially your especially your <clears throat> long-term anabolic steroid users, because that excess testosterone, that excess estrogen can actually lead to hypothalamic dysfunction. And now you have that hormone deficiency. So it's kind of like too much leading to too little, but also figuring out strategies how to correct that. You know, so we can't just ignore the, the too low, but I think the too high has to be also identified as well. It's the symphony, right? It has to be in the symphony uh, to, to make that happen. Um, yeah. And you totally nailed it. It's, it's, it's just the balance of the hormones is huge. Um, and you, I'm sure you see, you see a lot of patients going in there with long-term use of SARMs, long-term use of, of you know, anabolic test, you know, testosterone or whatever. And now they're like, hey, doc, it's just not working anymore. But that's exactly what you just said. It's a long-term use of, of, you know, of those hormones are now causing this effect. But yes, that's something that, that needs to be addressed as well. You know, it's sitting here, it's just crazy how many things can cause EDs. It's, it's, oh, just, no, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You're like, my gosh, like, yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's why Viagra was one of the number one drugs sold in the, in the world because it's, it's affecting so many people. Oh man! And and by the time somebody comes to you as a as a prescriber, it is a real problem. <laughs> you see what yeah. I'm saying? It is a real problem. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, again, we we look at all these, um, and not even sidetrack myself. Something as as a natural, I can never not mention is that nutrition nutritional deficiencies. Yeah. So zinc deficiency, selenium deficiency, vitamin D deficiency. How these can also contribute to that, right? But when it comes down to it, if there is a takeaway from this is that we understand, I wanna say the number is uh, like around 40 to 50% of men over 40 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. And the number's huge, you know, and, and understanding that the takeaway from my perspective, and I definitely wanna get yours as well, is that if, if, we, if you are experiencing this, don't ignore it because it may be something, a sign of something worse. And understanding that there is a root cause to it that you want to identify that so you can move past it and not just move past it, but identify what treatment, if it's a peptide, if it's a medication, if it's a supplement, if it's lifestyle change, what is that right thing for you? And I think, you know, all the things, all this scary, all the gloom and doom we put out there, it's not really gloom and doom. I think it's just, hey, understanding that there, there's a solution, there's a path to a solution. I second that. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the same. I feel the same way. I think that number is actually higher um, because most people are not comfortable talking about it. <clears throat> most people are thinking that what's happening to them right now is normal. It's okay. Uh, so I think the number is higher, uh, but do not ignore it. Like you just said, because it's unfortunately sometimes, you know, the end game of something else. Um, and we got to figure out what the issue is, um, because that will be able to actually help you for everything else, you know, for ED, for, for overall wellness. Um, and uh, you're right. Um, the good news is that we have a lot of tools out there, uh, tools that you probably never heard of. Um, people are just not, you know, they're just going to know what, you know, the regular names are, the Viagra, the Cialis, uh, but they have no clue um, about, you know, what else we have out there in the toolbox. So, so excited to talk about it. And part two is where that happens. And I'm very excited yes, about that. So <laughs> that being said, I am going to let us move forward towards part two. So before we end this episode here, Franco, where can we find you? Hey, you guys can find me on newbowers.com uh, or progresspharmacy.com. Um, direct email to me is Frank or Funk. I guess I have my name, F-R-N-C-K, at newbowage.com. 
that's that's the best way to get a hold of me right there. If you have any questions, shoot me an email and we'll respond. And we will have uh, Frank's email address and the websites in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that, you can find that below. Thank you again for being by the show. We're excited for part two. Hope you guys are too. And if you have any questions for Frank or myself, you can always email. The, uh, my information will be below in the show notes as well. And we will see you guys soon. Pleasure.